0: My Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act, and when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad, hollering to the Buffs with my Colorado swag,
1: my Colorado Welcome swag. in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Colorado Rugby. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today Ben Girding is here with us to tell us about what happened in the basketball world this weekend as both of the Colorado basketball teams, the men and the women took down Stanford at home. And uh, that women's game is where we're going to start things off because what a wild one. Um, Stanford was ranked number one in the country. They led most of the way. Colorado had like a, a pretty, not like a huge comeback. They weren't down a lot, but they did have to fight back and that's not something that's easy to do when you're going up against a team like Stanford that hasn't lost and really hasn't lost all that much in the last like decade. Um, Huge win. Uh, I I believe only the volleyball program had ever beaten a team ranked number one ever before at Colorado. Uh, Just like a historic day. Um, What, what are your thoughts on all
2: this, Ben? Well, my my initial thought is it was a tough day to come from the Bay Area, you know, this weekend. Yeah. Both Cal and Stanford swept on the men's and women's side, and yeah, I mean, anytime you take down the number one team in the country, that should not be taken lightly. You know, it, it doesn't matter that Stanford only shot twenty three percent from three, and it doesn't matter that they had fifteen turnover. You know, it you could it it'd be very easy to point to. Stanford because they are the better team. They are the more talented team and say, well, you know, they had an off night and to, to that point. Yeah. They did, but that's not going to discredit the fact that the Colorado women's team took down the best team in college basketball. They had a, I mean, a convincing win. It wasn't really a fluke. Um, you know, like you said, it wasn't a huge deficit, but they had to play from behind from the start. And being able to have that comeback tied up in the fourth quarter and and take it, take control in overtime's impressive. Now you look at a women's team that's four and five in the conference. They're six and six in total, and you know some of those losses were against. I mean, top 15 teams. You lose to Oregon, Oregon State, Arizona. Um, You take down Stanford. I mean, there's a reasonable path to see Colorado going from 500 into a a, a legitimate contender in this conference. Now, again, the Pac-12 is the best women's basketball conference in the entire country, so they're not going to finish you know, top four like we might be talking about with the men's team later on. But if they make enough noise and are able to take down just a few of these opponents, I mean – They should be dancing come March.
1: Yeah. And, you know, should be dancing come March? Bit of a bold statement given how long it's been since the Colorado women have been dancing in March. But, yeah, they're right there where if they win more games than they lose, they're in the tournament. And if they don't, then they're probably in the WNIT, which is where I believe they would have gone last year um, had that been held. Um, Just like a huge win. And a win that was needed because they've had so many opportunities to take down very good programs. Hadn't been able to actually do it though. Um, And like you said, like this is the best women's basketball conference. And that's why you get so many opportunities to beat really good teams. But still in, in the last, I think, I think since the start of last season before this game, there had been four games that, had been decided by three points or less or went to overtime against top 10 teams for Colorado. Colorado didn't win any of those games, which is just brutal. And honestly, like, some of the losses, like, it, it kind of just, like, felt like they were cursed. Like, stolen inbound passes, you know, m- missed open looks like other teams. I think Stanford beat them last year at the buzzer on a stolen inpa- inbound pass that they drained after taking like two steps past the three point line, like just some brutal, brutal losses. And honestly, this looked like another one um, late in the game. I-, I think the buffs were up to going to the free throw line, maybe a minute left, something like that. Um, missed a couple of free throws. And gave the ball right back. And I think Stanford tied the game up on that possession. And what wound up happening is with, I think, 25 seconds left, Jalen Sherrod stole an inbound pass, um, took it the length of the court, made the layup to tie the game up and send it to overtime. Um, just a whole bunch of really clutch plays like that. Um, from Jalen Sherrod, the sophomore point guard, from all sorts of different players, to um, Foreman, um, I think Peanut Tutteli had a great game and a couple of those clutch plays, uh, and it's just so nice to see this team finally turn that corner. And it makes me wonder if now having gotten the win under your belt in those situations, if you can just loosen up a little bit going forward and not feel
2: cursed. <laughs> No, absolutely. And I love that you brought up last season and those tough losses to good opponents because I completely agree. You know, there's only so much from a mental fortitude standpoint you can take as far as feeling like you can compete. And, you know, I'll draw the comparison to the men's team. You know, they're at a point right now where, they feel like they can compete with the Oregon's and the USC's. And that's why they're able to come away with some of those big wins. That's why this win was so key for not just this bus team, but this whole program. Um, and, and yeah, I, I agree to say that this team is ready to go dancing is absolutely a stretch right now. But the reason why I want to spark that optimism is because they're in a position now where they they've shown they can compete, you know, now, They had an almost 30-point loss at Oregon. They lost by almost 25 against Oregon State. Both of those on the road, those were tough. But you only lose by three to a very good Arizona school. You beat the number one-ranked team in the country. You see that there's a door where they can actually compete. And the fact that they do play in the Pac-12 and how good this women's conference is – that is going to help because you look at, again, drawing comparisons to, um, you know, the men's side of things, Illinois right now is still ranked nationally, even though they're nine and five. And the reason they are is because they get a huge bump because of how good the Big Ten is top to bottom. So if Colorado, if they can come out of this thing, eking out maybe a little bit above 500, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually did get some attention. With that being said, though, you know, basketball program, it's going to time. Need need to build that momentum. So if they can go to the WNIT and and just you know continue to have that upward trajectory, you are still loving where you're at. And you know you brought up some great players. Obviously, Sharad, shout out Maya Hollingsworth, yeah. Hollingshed, forty four minutes on the court, a double double. I that is just Ironman stats to be able to play that long and be as effective shooting fifty percent from the floor, forty percent from three, perfect from the line. I, That's an incredible stat line and is the biggest reason why this team pulled off the upset in, you know, program history in athletics history, question mark. You know, there's a lot of places you could go with because Mm -hmm. this was that big of a win.
1: Yeah. And she deserves all sorts of credit, not just for this game, but for this whole season. I think that coming into this year, it was easy to look at the buffs and say, yeah, they should get better. You know, they're starting so many young players. I think they only lost one senior that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, and, and you looked at people like Jalen Sherrod, who, who had a promising freshman year um, like Frida Foreman, who I wasn't even on campus yet. And a whole bunch of these other younger players and said, okay, if they just take steps forward, the buffs are going to be in good shape. Maya Hollingshed kind of got forgotten in that conversation a little bit because she has been around for a while. And because I think that some people see an, an upperclassman and say, you know what? We know what we have there. We did not. Uh, she went from shooting, what, 43% last year. She's up over 47% now, averaging 16.5 points per game. That's three and a half better than at any point in her career. Um, just, just across the board, she has been playing so well. And obviously like this was the crown jewel of all performances to drop a 32 point double double. Well, I believe she shot 50% from the field. Yeah. 50% from the field, 40% from three didn't miss a free throw. Uh, That's what you need a senior to do for you to pull off an upset of the number one team in the country. And yeah, she, she has been huge for this team this season.
2: Yeah. So, you know, her impact on the program is similar to McKinley Wright in that she is, she provides a fantastic score, Um, but she still can surprise you. Even with how long she's been here, like you touched on, she's improving on her field goal percentage and her points per game. And it, just having someone like that to rely on is so critical. Now, as you look ahead into where their schedule goes, you got to go to Arizona next, and that's going to be, tough obviously playing the number two ranked team now at in Arizona um you lost by three when you host them and then that game against Arizona State was postponed earlier so this is a big test again winning on the road in college basketball is so difficult if they come away from this trip just one and one I think you are still feeling fantastic about you know riding that high off the Stanford game and then pretty much you know anything else is, is kind of a cherry on top after that, then you come back home and you host Oregon, Oregon State, and then you travel to Stanford. So you have a four-game stretch now for this women's team at Arizona, home against Oregon State, home against Oregon at Stanford, where you know that is a marathon. If you come away with even just one win in that stretch, you're feeling good because then you know what you can do? You can go and you can beat USC, you can beat Cal, you know, try and take care of business against the Washington schools and Utah, and you can actually see a path where this women's team can get back to 500 in the conference. You know, that would put them two games up if they get 500 in the conference. And then, yeah, you're feeling great about where this team was, especially when you consider they were 5 and 13 in Pac 12 play last season. And that's expected when you're playing the heart of the conference in basketball. But for them to start 12 and 0 in non con uh, and to end up being 16 and 14. That left you wanting so much more. So again, all it needs is positive steps. And this could be that signature win that we look back on, not just later in this season, but, you know, down the road a couple of seasons and say, you know what, like coach and this team that really turned around what their expectations were in the conference and on a national scale. Definitely.
1: And, and, you know, they, they also, you shouldn't discount the win against Cal earlier in this home stand, either, you know, they are playing very good basketball right now. I mean, even competing with USC on the road, that's a good look. That's a good look, you know, someday it would be great to put like final four expectations on this program. But based on what we've seen over the course of the last, I mean, honestly, as far back as you want to extend it, you know, back in the nineties, they were very good. And it's kind of like been a drop off since then getting to the tournament should be the goal uh, until it happens in the same way that knocking off a top 10 team in these PAC 12 games should be the goal until it happens. Now that's happened. Now you get to raise that bar a little bit. Um, I will say that this is a, a big road trip. Um, Arizona state unranked, still a good team, seven and three, um, a PAC 12 basketball team. A couple days later, Arizona, number 10 in the country, the bus haven't won a game on the road this season. They're six and two at, at home. Oh, and four on the road. It'd be tough to win one of these games. Um, but if they could pull it off, they will be in great shape going forward. And uh, I mean, that's what you got hope for. And we will be following along with the buffs women's team um, over the next couple of months as they close out their season and hopefully make, make a run in March. We'll see. Um, before we start talking about these men's games, I want to give a sh- quick shout out to our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. They, uh, they serve incredible beers, whether it's the Strawberry Sky or the Avalanche or the Vanilla Porter Jr. There are just so many beers that you should try. And now's the time to do it because Breck has some dope giveaways for you. Um, they've teamed up with your Colorado Avalanche to deliver beer via Zamboni, before the Avs games the last week of January. Here's what you have to do to enter. If you live in Denver, head to breckbrew.com slash Zamboni delivery sweepstakes or just go to breckbrew.com and then click the Zamboni link and sign up. That's it. You have to be 21 to enter Uh, you have to live in Denver and the winners will be picked via lottery. Um, The last day to enter is the 28th. So get in while the getting's good. Uh, Five deliveries will happen on the 30th and five on the 31st. Give yourself a chance to have beer delivered to you by a Zamboni by going to brackbrewcom slash Zamboni delivery sweepstakes. It's an awesome thing. The prize pack also includes um, some, some awesome avalanche led lights. Um, no reason not to sign up. It's a really cool thing. Um, and there's a decent chance you'll win. Also, um, want to give a quick shout out to MSU Denver Online. Um, if, if you're trying to figure out what to do with your spring because we are still locked inside, well, guess what? I am here to change your life because today, is the day that you should sign up for msu denver online um it's it's a great value for the education they're built to let you continue living the life the way you live your life you're not going to be boxed into the schedules that they assign any of that kind of stuff a lot of the work can be done on your own time you can work ahead you can push things back a little bit um it really is meant to make things easy for you. Um, And so you should take advantage of it and you should take advantage of it right now because spring semester starts tomorrow, January 19th. And if you use the code DNVR sports, you do not have to pay an application fee. That's right. When applying and then ask for the application fee, just drop the code DNVR sports in there and it will be completely free. Like I said, this is an awesome value for an education. Um, they, they will make things easy for you while also you know, challenging you in the way that you should be challenged. It's super convenient. The professors are incredibly knowledgeable. They work in the field that they're teaching you about. Um, so sign up today because classes start tomorrow. Go to msudenver.com slash online to um, apply or to uh, check out the 40 plus online and hybrid programs that can get you a degree. Okay. Um, so there were two huge wins over Stanford. The, the one that's going to get the most attention as it certainly should is the women's team knocking off the number one team in the country, but the buffs men did something pretty impressive too by taking down um, a, a very good Stanford team. Um, I'll just open it up to you, Ben. What really stood out to you
2: about this game? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was domination. I'll be honest, you know, and now it is a 13 point win, which still is great. But when you look at the first half, second half breakdown, you saw that Stanford actually had one more point in the second half in Colorado. And that was came from a variety of reasons. Um, there was a stretch where they were playing downhill backyard ball, where they pretty much came down the court and were heaving it because they were up by so much. I think uh, the lead at one point did get up to, I believe, 22 or 24. And then obviously uh, the other thing was they had uh, for the last you know two, three minutes, they really brought in that second lineup. Um, and thank you, Tab Boyle, for doing so, because the and one with under a second left push the over uh, and actually helped me <laughs> secure the bag on a four Oh bets during that game. So felt great about that. I mean, this, this Colorado team four game win streak now, and you played where Oscar to Silva had a double double and the freshman sensation could be, should be probably will be a lottery pick. Zaire Williams. He played his best game of the season. So yeah. their two best players played phenomenally. And you still came out with a, with a great win. Um, Honestly, you just got to feel good about it. You feel great about it at home. The one thing that still does concern you is the three-point shooting. This team is, when it rains, it pours. Started off one for seven. Then on their next 10 attempts, they make seven of them, and you're feeling great. That's largely why they went on that run to end the first half. But yet they still finished the game nine of 27. It just feels like this team cannot be averaged from three. Either they're on or they're off, and you just kind of have to deal with the consequences.
1: Yeah, I think that is a good takeaway. And to me, its you know, I didn't expect to see this. I think on the tailgate right before I had to leave to go watch the game, um, Ryan asked, like, so the Buffs are favored by eight. Should I take that? And I said, "Mm, I probably wouldn't because I do think that Colorado wins this game. Beating the Stanford team by eight is not something that's easy to do and I would not put my money on it. Turns out I was wrong. But what was so impressive was that the buffs really just kept Stanford at arm's length the entire second half. You know, it, it just felt like for probably 15 minutes, Stanford was down by 13 and then they were down by 11 and then 12 and then nine and then 12 again, and then 13, but they were just holding him right around that double digit lead and never gave up that run that really closed the gap. And Maybe I'm off here, but that doesn't seem like something we've seen from this Buffs team. Like, it, it kind of seems like they either let the lead go or they build on the lead. But just playing, like, comfortable, good basketball and, and matching the opponent, I don't know. Just, I, I was expecting a little more drama in the second half, I guess.
2: No, absolutely. And eight, the, the eight-point line scared me, but I took it. Um, I took the, I took that line. I took the first half line, took the money line, took the over. I, I don't know why, but the morning of the game, I saw the line and was concerned and then had just this strange breadth of confidence. Like, you know what, if this team is going to go on a run, it needs to be now it needs to start now. And I mean, you bring up a good point. This game never really felt in question. They took a lead and they stuck with it. They kept the, the margin and they also did it in, in a very balanced way, you know, They they only had ten turnovers, which is fantastic against a good basketball team. You need to you know keep that turnovers as low as possible, and you know you had four guys scoring double digits. Jabari Walker, another great game, Um, eleven points, eight minutes, and just eighteen or I'm sorry, eleven points, eight rebounds in just eighteen minutes on the floor, coming off a game against Cal where he was far and away your best player. The fact that he only played eighteen minutes in this one shows they still are okay kind of easing him in and and they're not going to be that worried about it. There's just so many statistics to dive into from this game. One in particular, which I'm not sure a lot of people will look at, but Eli Parquet and Deshaun Schwartz, just four of 16 from the floor combined from those two. Um, and, and they did it in different ways. Eli Parquet, that's the most times he shot during the season. Mm-hmm. And he just could not finish. He couldn't finish to save his life. And that still didn't hurt you. So, if he was going to have a bad game, you're happy it came today. And then Deshaun Schwartz, he picked up two early personal fouls, only with 14 minutes and six points, was not able to convert from deep. Uh, you know, obviously, for a guy that is one of your X factors, you're hoping he's able to do better, but. Over the course of this last week, we've seen Maddox Daniels and Jabari Walker both be able to contribute to make up for when starters don't have their best games. And we saw it again today. Maddox Daniels, 26 minutes, three for six from deep. Uh, You know, again, I wish Jabari was getting some of those minutes, but right now, Maddox Daniels is playing so well. You can't hate on that at all.
1: Yeah. And, you know, just to jump back to Eli Parquet, he did struggle finishing and that is a problem. And I hope he's spending time in the gym this week, getting that fixed. At the same time, though, he was two of five from three and the, the two of eight from the field really does stick out. That's not what you want. But when you're able to knock down two of your five looks from deep, that's enough to tell the defense that they need to guard you at the three point line. And that's Eli Parquet's job on the offensive end of the floor. His job isn't to score points or to make passes or to do anything else. His job is to force the defense to guard him at the three-point line. And he can do that by making, you know, two of five shots in a game. He can do that if he goes 0 for 5 in a game, if he was six of his last 14 in the two, three games com- coming into the day because, you know, of the different ways that you can convince the defense you're a threat. As long as he's able to, to force the defense to cover him at the three-point line, he's good enough offensively to take advantage of what he does defensively. With Deshaun Schwartz, when he misses those shots, that gets frustrating. And and he has been, like, warming up from deep. And, and I don't think that there's a team in the conference that's going to say, like, we're just going to leave Deshaun Schwartz open at the three-point line because he's just earned that respect from the rest of the league. It's disappointing to get that out of them. But the Buffs not only survived it, like, they held a double-digit lead for most of the second half with that being the case and that just goes to show how talented this team is um quick note on jabari too just because i have some thoughts there <laughs> i do wish that he had played more and i i just don't know why he wouldn't i mean i, I guess we could look through and see where should the minutes come from um Tristan De Silva, you know, take those six minutes and give them to him. I mean, a lot of those were late in the game
2: and didn't really matter. Um, and they also they wanted. Yeah. I think De Silva was De Silva was more pumped for this game just to go against his brother. That yeah. honestly, I'm okay with it because he did fine. You know, he yeah. had a couple turnovers, but had that big three at the end of the second half that really set the tone. I mean, if you want to pick a dagger, that might be it. Just because yeah. how. Excited and motivated, the buffs were compared to the dejection on the Stanford sideline after De Silva hit that three going into halftime. I mean, that really was a, a big time moment. But, you know, I, the problem that I see with the way these minutes stack up right now is. Jabari only played 18 minutes and that's in a game where Deshaun Schwartz was held out for the majority of it because of foul trouble. Mm -hmm. What does happen when Dallas Walton comes back because Dallas Walton is going to play about 18 minutes. So you're either going to have to reduce the minutes for batty or horn or get more creative on these lineups. And it is, it's one of those questions that we keep coming back to is who do you bench? Do you really want to rock the ship when you're on a four game win streak? I think not, but I just hope that, this does not damage Jabari Walker's confidence in himself in this program. You know, I would hate to see him with how talented he is, what he's been able to do in flashes. I would hate to see him leave after this year, you know, and maybe go to a different program or something like that because he didn't get the chances. But with that being said, you have to imagine they say, after this year, we have so many season or uh, veterans, Jabari, you're going to get the keys to the Ferrari heading into next year. And, yeah. and the, but the stat that was so interesting is, Of all the Pac-12 freshmen per 40 minutes, he's leading in points per game and rebounds per game. It's like he is the most effective player in the conference or freshman in the conference when it comes to what he does in his minutes. So how he is not able to break 20 a night consistently is, it's just a little frustrating, I think, from a fan's perspective because he's flashed so much. But again, when you're on a four-game win streak, you don't really have to answer that question. The question only is going to come up when, oh, y- you know, you go and you lose a game, and let's say you lose to Washington State, and let's say it's not a particularly good loss, that's when the question could come of, well, what could Jabari Walker have done? So we mm-hmm. will be interesting moving forward, but, again, I, I, after seeing what they did on Saturday, I am in the boat that, that Ryan kind of talked about in our Cal Post game of, you want to see more from him, but at this point, you don't have the reason to.
1: Yeah, it is frustrating though to to watch and just look at the box score. You know, four of nine from the field in eighteen minutes, oh of two from three, three of four from the free throw line, three offensive boards, five defensive boards, a steal, two blocks, no turnovers, eleven points. Like like just such a solid outing, especially from a young player. And and you know the the oh for two from the three point line. It sucks. But like I was saying earlier, he's forcing him to defend him out there because he's still shooting 48% from the three <laughs> yeah. on the season. And it's not like you're going to leave him because he missed two. It's just so tough to figure out how to put him on the floor more, you know, because the only guys you really see as having played too many minutes is potentially Maddox Daniels. And he's shooting, what, over 50% from three the season? He's got to be getting close. Like, we just played this game on the last one of these, but... He's right around there. And it's just so tough when you have Evan Batty, who is going to be out there. Dry horn, who's looking like the Pac-12 sixth man of the year. You have Dallas Walton coming back. You have just so many of these guys that it gets hard to put Jabari on the floor for as many minutes as he probably deserves at this point. Um, I do wonder what it's going to look like. Once tournament time comes around, or even late in the season, once the the games get really important, once you know exactly what you're playing for, you know if Evans starts out 0 of four from the field with a couple of turnovers, does he get yanked for Jabari because you know Jabari has been a solid option? Like those are the types of decisions that Tad is going to 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 have to make, and they're a, a good thing. For the program because it just means that you have so many options so many guys you can get in and who knows maybe at that point Keyshawn shots falling Um, Luke O'Brien is maybe balling out I think by the end of the season you're going to have a whole bunch of options and the debate about who your eight guys that you're going to play in the tournament however many you decide it's going to be is going to be I I think quite a bit more heated than maybe we anticipated at the start of the season
2: yeah Absolutely. And of course, got to shout out Luke O'Brien, um, really helping me out because on that post game uh, against Cal, I said, Luke O'Brien should be getting these minutes. Um, and and he's looked good in, in a limited role. Now, Keisha Barthelemy only playing 11 minutes. You know, he came in, he was a game time decision. He was, you know, he's clearly not, I don't think, 100%. He's just kind of doing what needs to be done. But you do really still feel great about your rotation uh, behind kind of that two backup one point. Now McKinley, right. He is going to be getting between 36 and 38 minutes for the rest of the season, you know? So yeah. really you are just looking for a guy who can be on the court for one to two minutes in the first half and maybe one to two minutes, depending on how close the game is in the second half. So whether or not that is Keyshawn to, to run offense during that, or maybe it's Eli Parquet and Daniels who are on the court during that fine time. I think you're fine with that. But again, I keep coming back to it. Maddox Daniels is playing fantastic basketball, but he is very one-dimensional. Jabari Walker really opens up what you can do. He is this team's arguably their best rebounder. Um, He also provides you that stretch four that I think you want out of Tristan Da Silva, but uh, Jabbar is already there shooting uh 48%. I think you said from three, he's going to be shooting well from the floor and he's great at getting second chances with offensive boards that combined with the fact that he is the rim protection that you don't have without Dallas Walton. I just think he is more valuable than 18 minutes a game. Um, and, and they just need to figure out a way to, to get him on the floor a little bit more, whether that is sitting batty a little longer, whether that is moving Jariah horn to the three and playing a little bit of a big lineup, um, you, you just got to figure it out. But when you look at the minutes from this game, I agree it's going to get a little simpler once you have your healthy rotation. I think Dallas Walton takes up all the minutes from De Silva, Neek, and Luke O'Brien from, from that standpoint, you know? And then it just comes down to between Maddox Daniels and Keyshawn Berthelemy reducing that total a bit to get Jabari on the floor more because also this team is not built to be a you know, a three guard deep on the rotation kind of shootout team. It's physical. It's a big team that has so much talent in the front court that that's where their strength really relies on. And then that allows for pick and rolls to open up McKinley right to the bucket. So that's where I think the priority should be. Uh, but again, beating a dead horse here, you're still on a four game win streak. You're fourth in the conference. You're feeling great about this road trip coming up. You should be able to take the business, um, really you just kind of love the spot that you're in and this is the best problem to have as far as talking about who should be on the court when everybody is playing well this is a fantastic problem to have if you're tad boyle it definitely is
1: um let's talk about the pack 12 a little bit um where exactly the buffs stack up here um here's something that i thought was pretty interesting colorado's the only team in the pack 12 that has beaten a a team that's ranked in the AP poll so far this season. It's kind of like weird to think about with with how many different teams there are and all the games that have been played. Like you would think at some point that would have happened, but no. Colorado is the only one. And, And I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I do think that that's pretty cool. And it just goes to show that, Colorado does belong in this upper tier. You know, they're five and two in the conference. They're right on the heels of Oregon at four and one, right on the heels of USC at five and one with wins over both those teams. Stanford's now behind him at four and three. Colorado is the tiebreaker as of right now. And everybody else is under 500 and really doesn't belong in this conversation in the PAC 12 until they make some sort of big run and put themselves up there. So as it stands right now, it kind of looks like UCLA's one, USC's two, Oregon's three, Colorado's four, and then Stanford's behind them at five. And out of all those teams, Colorado has the most flexibility having wins in hand over so many of those teams.
2: Yeah, you know, UCLA, they're in the driver's seat right now. They are the best team in the conference from not just a standings perspective, but also just the kind of basketball they're playing. And you're right, though. After that, the fact that Colorado does already have those heads-to-head against USC and Oregon and now Stanford, um, it, it's just helpful, especially because, too, that loss at Arizona does not really matter since they're not going to be relevant as far as their you know tournament status. So losing that one on the road doesn't really hurt you. It's so fascinating where Colorado sits and far of as far as all the big time national rankings. Um, you know, for those of you who didn't see, Colorado came in unranked in the AP this week. They would have come in at 27th if you extend the poll. They did come in at 23rd in the coaches' poll, so they have some recognition there. Now, those are just national rankings by people who have credibility because they're you know journalists or a coach. When you look at the numbers of the, just the raw data of where they rank, Colorado, 13th in the Ken Palm rankings, the highest Pac-12 team. Um, and, and the way that the Pac-12 shakes out in the Ken Palm, Colorado's at the 13, USC at 19, Oregon at 20, and then you've got UCLA at 26th. And then you look at the net rankings. And as a reminder, the net rankings are the NCAA's primary tool in seeding teams because this is their most important information with record, home and away, and then the quadrant system. Colorado is the seventh rated team in the country in the net rankings. They're, they're doing some, some fantastic things this year. The next closest big or PAC 12 team, I'm sorry, is uh, USC at 17. And then you go down the list and you don't find anybody until Oregon. Then at 28 UCLA at 29. So Colorado from a national perspective is really sitting very well. If they can even just go one and one on the road this week, they'll still be top four in the conference. They should absolutely still be ranked or they should absolutely become ranked. Um, And and that's a whole separate conversation as far as the AP poll and their lack of recognition of Pac-12 teams in particular. That's not just uh, Colorado. But you look at Oregon at 21 and UCLA at 24. It just makes no sense. UCLA is a much better team than Oregon, and yet Oregon is ranked higher. Uh, there's just so many problems with that poll as a whole. So, but, but the grand scheme of things is the Pac 12 is a lot better than people thought. I think a month ago this time, you know, even at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of question marks about how many teams can the Pac 12 really represent. I do think they're still looking to send five teams dancing. I think it's UCLA, Oregon, USC. Colorado. And I do think Stanford makes that cut because they are a talented team. Um, And then outside of that, you do still just have a lot of disappointment. I think you look at Arizona state in particular, Um, you and I, we never really bought in on the Arizona hype as much as a lot of other people do. I know in our company as a whole, we haven't bought in in the Arizona hype as much as a lot of people from the start. And that's because, you know, they're very talented, but they just have not been able to put it together. Even still, that's still a good team. Uh, but, but yeah, just on the whole, and uh, the as I conclude end. this tangent, yeah, that's it. So, I mean, you yeah. know, as a whole, concluding this tangent, Colorado is sitting very pretty as far as where they stack up in the Pac-12. Um, and, and they're in position to go on a good run because you've got Washington, Washington State, Washington State, Utah. Um, with, with two of those games at home and one of those against the worst team in the conference, I do think you are hoping to end up 3-1 and one on this stretch. Um, with that one loss, it's okay if that one loss does come on the road. But three and one or four and zero oh is not out of the question. And uh, you know, after that point, it just becomes a conversation of why is Colorado not ranked in the top fifteen if they're able to pull that off?
1: Yeah, and I do think that five is probably the right number. Um, I, I think it would have been six if Arizona was eligible, um, and I think that there's potential for it to be six now. If Washington State can just steady the ship, you know, if, if they can just be better than five hundred the rest of the way, they're sitting at nine and four overall right now, and I think that that's going to carry some weight. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that Colorado is firmly in position to make the tournament. Um, and what's really disappointing to me, you know, it, it's easy to like, I like the way you phrased it, which is like three and one, four no. Oh, it's on the table. At the same time. Washington that's a trap game you go in there and you are expected to win and if you don't you look horrible Um, Washington State not quite to that same level obviously because Washington is like just spiraling but in the same way you are expected to win that game and if you lose it's going to be a big disappointment Um, then you get Washington State again then you get Utah three and one four and oh that probably should be like what should happen just based on the teams that they're playing at the same time. It's going to be a bit of a stressful couple of weeks here because you are expected to win. It isn't like the Stanford game where, you know what, I guess they, they were expected to win, but at least you're going up against Zaire Williams and Oscar da Silva and a program that has been very strong. And it just feels like there's more to be gained, whereas this is going to be a bit of a grind before you get back to that stretch. You play Arizona State, play Arizona, play Stanford um, for an easy one at Cal, and then you go to Oregon. You got to take advantage of this, otherwise you're going to be in a tough spot there.
2: Yep, absolutely. And I think this kind of has, I don't want to say the feel, but, but this game against Washington does have the potential implications for last year's loss Um, at home against Oregon state, you know, you took down the number four rate team in the country. You're feeling great. They only had losses at that point to Kansas and Northern uh, uh, Iowa. They took down Dayton in over or uh, on that one buzzer beater thriller, you know, and then they just beat Oregon. And then they came out and laid an egg against Oregon state. This does feel like, you know, it could fall under that bracket as far as this is clearly a better team and they might falter. The difference is though is, I think you feel better about it since you already did for lack of a better term, destroy Washington early in the season. And the other thing with that too, is Dallas Walton is expected to return and Dallas Walton in that game against Washington had his best game of uh, his career, you know, 22 points. He shot fantastic from the floor and from the line. So getting him back for this game is going to be huge. And then yeah, against Washington state, I mean, you're right. They, they, we're good enough in non-con, I mean, to, to really make a push. The problem is, is they're two and four in conference play. They're very inconsistent Um, splitting with them one at home, one on the road is probably just a realistic expectation just because it's so difficult to, to be expect the bus team to sweep the road trip as a whole. And then you get Utah, which is very interesting. And obviously we're going to preview Utah heavier next week, but Utah is a team where, you know, they seem to play very well against good teams and they just can't take care of business against bad teams. You know, they beat Stanford um, uh, during their, uh, you know, the first half of that uh, series. And then they turned around and then they lost to Cal, a Cal team that just flat out is not good without Matt Bradley. So Utah right now, they've, they've had a, a tough stretch. They lost to the L.A. schools. They lost to Oregon. They lost to Colorado. That's why i I felt better about them until that loss against Cal, because, you know, they were getting beaten by good opponents. they they're in the same boat. What they do against Washington State and Washington is really going to kind of project what happens against that Colorado game because they they cannot afford to to have another slip up, especially because, that is a decent team. You know, Timmy Allen is a good player. And obviously you've got Plummer, who is the ultimate heat check God from deep. So that's a team that can absolutely give you a challenge. They're not one to overlook, but you do feel good that now that game's going to be at home as well.
1: Yes, exactly. Because Utah five and three at home, zero and three on the road. And that doesn't mean that that's, what's going to keep happening, but I do like it a lot better that this game is being played at the Coors event center. CU event center. Wow. I wasn't even around when it was called the Coors (laughs) event center. Um, I think that that's probably all I've got for today. I mean, I guess actually let's, let's take a quick break. Let's talk a little bit about Washington, Washington state. We've basically covered it, but just in case there's anything that you think people should know, especially about this Washington game, because this is the last time we're going to talk about the bus before that game on wednesday at seven o'clock um first though gotta give a shout out to our great friends over at hassle cattle company i know that the uh hangout chat on our slack was kind of on fire earlier about the uh beef bacon that hassle cattle company makes like the wagyu bacon i'm not I don't know. I I had never heard that bacon could be made out of things other than a pig. I just thought that it was just like a pig thing. But apparently the beef bacon is I think what was Evan's phrase? Maybe it was it's like crack or something. And now they're going to load up. Um, But that's just like one of the awesome products that you can get from Hassle Cattle Company. Um, All just very good Wagyu beef. Um, They'll ship it all over the country. They'll ship it straight to you. It's known as the blue collar Wagyu because they make it really good, but they also make it so that you can afford it. Um, There's smoked sausages, New York strip, um, Wagyu frank without any fillers, um, two jerky flavors. Uh, The hamburger is well known as very good hamburger. Um, And the best part is if you use the promo code DMVR10, you'll get 10% off your order. That's DMVR10 for 10% off any orders over $200 and you'll receive free shipping. Um, check them out. We promise you will not be disappointed. Okay. Um, so Washington, first of all, like, is is there any sort of threat here? I mean, they're one in 11. I, I watched what my Montana Grizzlies did to them. And I guess I've also seen, I mean, what the buffs can do to them. Um, is anything like changed? Is there reason to believe that this won't be another 23 point win for the buffs?
2: You know, I mean, I think calling it a trap game really is a good evaluation. You know, the buffs they have to go on the road. That's tough. No matter who you play against, especially during, you know, COVID, it just changes all the procedures and whatnot. And Washington, they actually have played decent against some good opponents. You know, they had a three point loss to Oregon. They really gave UCLA a run for their money on Saturday night. They only lost that game by five points, final score 8176. So they've shown signs of life. They've shown they actually can compete with some top talent in this conference. And then they've also shown, and this, you know, they've shown more often than not, is they can lay complete duds. Uh a 30-point loss to Baylor, lost to Utah. Their only win right now is against Seattle. Um, again, lost to Montana, 30 point loss, to Colorado, terrible loss to Arizona as well and Stanford. So if you do this on two levels, you can say, well, Colorado beat the pants off. from last time they played, you don't need to look anywhere else. They're a better team. And they are, you can also look at, uh, similar opponents and see what they've done. You know, Colorado beat USC and USC beat Washington by almost 30 points. And you could do that with Oregon and Stanford yeah. and Cal. So this should be a win. This team should go in there and take care of business. Do not be surprised if Washington is winning at halftime. That's where I would be because I do think that there's a real chance Colorado could come out a little flat. I think there's a chance that Washington comes out hot. The longevity of the game, Colorado is more talented and they also are very good against breaking down this zone. They did a fantastic job of it. You just need a couple things really to go their way. They have to shoot the ball. Well, Dallas Walton coming back is going to be huge because Dallas Walton is, is a much better matchup um, than Evan Batty in this game, just because he has that jump shot threat kind of around the free throw line. And I would love to see both Jabari Walker and Jariah Horn both get 25 minutes each as well for that same reason. The easiest way to break down this press is going to be have one of your bigs flash up towards the key, sit at the free throw line and just have McKinley right dish it to him and let them be pastor. let them facilitate the offense from there because they can knock down free throw line jumpers. Um, and then you just need your shooters to to make shots on the outside. This is going to be a big game for Deshaun Schwartz. He needs to come out and have double digits. He needs to capitalize on those opportunities. Um, the other scary thing for this game, too, just just as another bullet point, is you really just can't rely on, on Ken this game because – He's not a good threat against the zone. We talked about it after his game against Washington in December when he only had, you know, 5 points from the floor. It's not cuz he had a bad game, it's because he knows his role and to break down the zone it just needs to be facilitate to the bigs and kind of play off ball because his three-point shot was really falling early in the season. He's come down to around 33%, which, you know, is still great. That's that's right kind of where you'd like him to be. You'd like him to be, you know, a little higher, but it's it's not terrible still though. He's not going to be the one that, that's going to be able to break the press down as easy. Um, one last point then, too, though. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, him working inside for a floater where a big might be could be interesting if you can kind of adjust who's bringing up the floor. Maybe you have Keyshawn Bartholomew, Eli Parquet run the offense and have McKinley Wright come. You know, flash up high off ball. That could be a way to generate some shots for him. But again, end of that tangent to, to kind of more directly answer your question. They should win. But hold your breath because it could be closer than last game. Uh, Being on the road, being conference play, it it, it really having a blowout twice against this team would would shock me. Yeah.
1: And, you know, the Buffs didn't struggle against this defense the first time around. How much of that was the Buffs succeeding? How much of that was Washington failing? Because that was a long time ago. And there were a lot of new faces on this team. I wouldn't be surprised if this zone defense this time around – is significantly tighter than the one that the bus saw when they won by 20 plus points. Um, and I'd also add that the three point shooting maybe just a little bit scary from Washington. Um, they went 10 of 23 against UCLA. Um, UCLA went nine of 20 and only won by five. They were down with four minutes left, um, with less than four minutes left. Um, Quade Green, 10 of 16 from the field, dropped 25. Uh, there is a name to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, to, to me, the, the three-point shooting is the story. And also, how does this game start? Does, does Washington come out there and just force the Buffs to, you know, may, maybe they're sitting there with two points, three, four minutes into the game, and you're like, oh boy this is happening. They need to kick it in gear. See, that's the kind of stuff that could really take things off the rail. Um, But yeah, I think that that's good stuff. Um, and um,
2: probably time to get out of here, but not before there's one more piece of good news. Okay. Real, uh, real quick. Yours? I just had one thing too. Uh, one more name to watch is going to be Riley sworn. Uh, They're big seven mm-hmm. footer. He had his best game of the season against Colorado in December. That's a guy who really could cause some trouble, um, not just from a you know, scoring perspective, but also from a run protect- protection perspective. Yep,
1: and he looked lost against Colorado. Oh, and just looking through, so he played 19 minutes against Colorado. Since then, seven against Arizona, nine against Stanford, five against Cal, five against USC, 25 against UCLA. Might be seeing more of him going forward. But yeah, I mean, he was supposed to be that centerpiece of the zone, the guy who like sits down there in the middle, filling in for Isaiah Stewart, basically. Um, maybe he's figured something out. We'll see. Um, but yeah, this one piece of good news Colorado swept the Basketball Player of the Week awards. Um, Men's Player of the Week, McKinley Wright. Women's Player of the Week, Maya Hollingshed. Men's Freshman of the Week, Jabari Walker. Women's Freshman of the Week, Frida Foreman. That's four for four. And I would be surprised if that has happened all that often before. Um, pretty cool, though. Congrats to all of them. And uh, we'll be paying attention to a whole lot of Colorado basketball this week, as it is a massive week for the men and the women. Um, thanks, Ben, for coming on. And I will see you Wednesday, Thursday, somewhere around there to catch up after the Washington game and ahead of the Washington State game.
0: They like my Colorado sweat, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Hollin' get the bus with my Colorado sweat. My Colorado sweat, my Colorado swag, I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag Might not swear, I think they like my Colorado swag My Colorado swag is pushing 180 Speed past pad, competence, and see you later, baby, baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy yeah. And boat is where we station patiently awaiting Whoa. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave Look into my eyes, I can tell that you're afraid uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. hit, ya. hit, ya. hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Sure. You just better, hope you make it to the next whistle God. And when you playing with ya, you can get it anytime yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the in the middle of the ring Throwing blows, knocking down team at the I think they like my Colorado swag Cause when I'm in it play I don't really, I don't really know Just how to act And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad Holla, get a bus with my Colorado sway, My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag I they like i think they like my colorado swag my colorado swag my colorado swag man i swear i think they like my colorado swag have you ever my Colorado Sway, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when i minute in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway. Might not swear, I think they like my Colorado Sway.